Hello and welcome to Shameless, the celebrity and pop culture podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. You're joined by Sarah McDonald and Michelle Andrews. Should we tell them why we're laughing? You're... Okay. So guys, for every episode, we do have one little paragraph that we normally script so that we can have a seamless entry into the content of the day. Zara... You are renowned for your typos, and I think today you have well and truly outdone yourself, my friend, because this is littered with typos. <laughs> it's a, <laughs> I was wondering, it's a pop culture podcast, and my space bar is not working very well, so it's a podcast for smart women who love dumb stuff. You're going by. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up anyway on today's show, <laughs> Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott split, and it's a story not without a bunch of subplots. Plus, how the trolling of Erin Mullen exposes the NRL's continued sexism problem and the most ridiculous show on Australian television that we just cannot stop talking about. But first, Michelle, how was your week? My week was grand. Before I get into it, though. <laughs> it was jolly and grand. It was grand. I need to issue an apology on behalf of my father, Paul John Andrews, who listened to, he listens to every episode. He's a great dad. 10 out of 10 father. Thank you for your download, Paul. Thank you, Dad. We very much appreciate it. He did listen to me last week claim that if he saw the Veronicas on a Qantas economy flight, he would have no idea who they were. He messaged me and was like, excuse me, I would like a retraction. I, he, he loves Untouched. He loves the Veronicas. I would like the ultimate test, though. I wonder if Paul John Andrews would be able to pick out a Veronica solo. I think yes. as a duo, he no. would. Solo, <laughs> he would not. Okay, so let the records show that Paul John Andrews knows who the Veronicas are and would know them on a Qantas economy flight. My parents were quite offended as well by the assumption that middle-aged people don't know who the Veronicas are. Oh, yes, they told us such in our joint family holiday. <laughs> Speaking of, how was your joint family holiday with me and my parents? I really, really loved <laughs> Loved it. I hope they loved having me. Your mum became my pseudo mum for about three days in a row. I was sick, as people would have heard on last Monday's episode. And so Trish went out to a chemist, bought me cough medicine, bought me dinner every night. She did shower me with affection and love, and I very much appreciate it. And your dad as well. My favourite part was when Dave asked us on a date. On the first night that Zara and I were in Byron Bay with Zara's parents, Dave did come to us and went, now girls, no pressure, no pressure at all. None whatsoever. If you want to come to dinner with us, we would very much enjoy it. And I enjoyed it too. And you said, do I have to pay? (laughs) I did not. (laughs) Shut up. No, I had a great week. It was awesome to get away to Byron Bay and press reset. Anyone who read the newsletter column this week would have seen that I was in a very, very zen vibe for the rest of the week after Byron Bay. I do want to recommend... Boy Swallows Universe, which feels like the most basic bitch recommendation in the world because Boy Swallows Universe is the Australian book of the year. It has won all of the awards. It is an incredible read by Trent Dalton. And I'm on the basic bitch bandwagon. It's an incredible, incredible book. And I really think you should read it, Zara. It's been sitting on your bedside table for too long now. So is a lot of books, though. I also wonder if Trent Dalton would appreciate his book. <laughs> being having a basic ba- bitch bandwagon. Being a basic bitch bandwagon. Look, he'd be selling that many copies. I don't think he'd mind. Before we move on from me, how's my voice doing? It's I think doing... it's a recovery from last Monday. You've kind of gone on a roller coaster. It's been high <laughs> and it's been low. I actually think it's similar to last week. It's really? been worse and it's been better and we're 
us back to where we started. How are you? How was your week? My week was wonderful. I have got back into reading this week, which is such a relief. I think I've said on the podcast a lot in the last few months that I just cannot for the life of me read. I wonder if it's just because we've been doing a lot. And I feel like when you've been doing a lot, you don't have the energy or time to read. And it was really annoying me because reading is quite good for my mind. Mm -hmm. The book that got me back into reading was She Said by Megan Toohey and Jodie Cantor. It's nonfiction based on the investigation into Harvey Weinstein. It is such a page turner, which I was really surprised about given we know the outcome of that story and we kind of know small machinations of what happened. I also tip my hat to you, my friend, because your recommendation of the two episodes of The Daily, I can't remember what they called them. I can't remember. Gloria Alred and her daughter. I think it's something like Uncovering Harvey Weinstein and then it's like part one Lisa Bloom or something. I think we've massacred that. That was a fantastic recommendation you from you. my recommendations. I know, and I listened to them on the way to Byron Bay. And on my trip, I was like, thank fuck for Zara McDonald because this is a stellar recommendation. It's really good. And if you liked those two episodes of The Daily that I recommended last week, you will love this book. I do wonder if I really enjoyed it because we are journalists and I'm far more interested mm-hmm. in how stories come to be than maybe the average person. But there is so much good in there about the pursuit for holding men to account for sexual harassment. There's so much depth about the Me Too movement and how far we've come. There's a lot of questions. It's not always really empowering or happy um, or even hopeful, to be totally honest. There's a great section on there on Christine Blasey Ford as well. So it's very layered and I could not recommend it more. So go out and buy that book and also support the journalists who wrote arguably the biggest story of the last few years. Absolutely. The other thing that I learned this week, Michelle, before we really move along, is that Michelle Andrews, oh, Michelle what are you Elizabeth doing? Andrews, what? had never peeled a banana oh, in her fu- life. <sighs> okay, fine. If you're going to make me do this, make me do it. Bananas are overrated. Bananas suck. The flavor of bananas suck. The texture of bananas suck. Peeling a banana sucks. The smell of a banana sucks. I refuse to take any kind of shame for not buying into this banana conspiracy. It's just, it's awe. It's awe. (laughs) It's awe. That you have managed to get your entire life without anyone realizing that you've never peeled a fucking banana before. What had happened is we were in the car traveling somewhere and I think a banana is the world's most underrated snack. It'll cost you about 40 cents. It fills you up. But does a banana cost 40 cents? I mean, like I might have undershot. That's such an exaggeration. It, It couldn't be more than 60. 60 cents. It's the cheapest, most delicious feeling. I don't think you can be a banana ambassador, but hell, if you could, I would be. I turned to you and I said, hey, because I was driving, do you mind peeling this banana for me? And you look at it and you don't say anything and you just say, which end do I do it from? Okay, but surely you can peel a banana from both ends. You can, but it's not the done thing. I went for the the basic bitch end. And you were very good about it for someone who doesn't like bananas because I can understand if you don't like bananas, the stench and texture of bananas is a little fucked. They're stringy, they're mushy, they are such a pale, insipid colour. In fairness, I can actually only have non-ripe bananas. The little, the mushy, um, banana eaters will know what I'm talking about. When it gets a bit dry and you can feel the texture in your mouth, that's when I can pass on bananas. But if they're kind of in that sweet spot where they're still a little hard, (laughs) I love how we're talking about hard bananas now, no euphemisms (laughs) implied. Delicious. The only banana variety food that I will eat is banana bread. And that's because it's piled with so much sugar and other stuff that it doesn't even taste like banana anymore. Anywho, from lowbrow to lowerbrow, shall we go to Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott's breakup? Love is dead. 
Love is truly what? dead. RIP love. I saw Miss this, you love. I saw those comments in our Facebook group and I was genuinely astounded that that was the sentiment. <laughs> I really wish I was above this story of Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott's split. I wish I was above it. If anything, though, my consumption habits over the last 48 to 70, wait, 48 to 72? Sure. 48 to 72 hours proves that I am underneath this story. I am obsessed. I have been consuming this split with voracious interest because I want to know every little thing about what caused Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott to go their separate ways. I have to say, I turned to you in an Uber yesterday and I said, I've actually missed a Kardashian story and I never Mm. thought I would say it. I've missed them being on my radar because the stories... I think, as we said in our intro, aren't just stories. The subplots beneath the story are amazing. Mm-hmm. Now, this news was originally uh, reported in Entertainment Tonight and a source, quote unquote, told Entertainment Tonight that they had split. They are both extremely busy with different schedules. And since Kylie found out about Travis messaging other girls on Instagram, the rebuilding of trust has been hard. Did you see Pedestrian TV had the most epic headline about that? They were like, in a tale as old as time, Travis Scott has been sliding into other girls' DMs. Like man slides into other girls' DMs, relationship ends. I think it's interesting that Entertainment Tonight broke this story and nobody else. For me, I know we often talk about the fact that the Kardashians are tied to E, so if Mm. they want to leak a lot of stories, they go to E. But I do think there's a lot of credibility about the fact it's actually not E. It's almost like they wanted to leak it outside their story, so they're going out there, particularly if Kylie has potentially been wronged or that's the narrative she wants to tell. It makes more sense for them to go outside their own network. Yeah, let's talk about their relationship for just a second for those who have no idea what we're even talking about because there is a pocket of shameless listeners who could not give a single fuck about the Kardashians really or Kylie Jenner. pissed off at us for talking about this too. Sorry about that. <laughs> for those who missed it, these two did not have the most solid of relationship foundations. They met at Coachella and within two months of dating, Kylie fell pregnant. I think she would have been 19 at the time because they celebrated her 20th birthday together and I think she might have been still pregnant with Stormy during her 20th You're birthday. You're looking at me for answers. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't I think that's right. Let's just go with that. The highlights of their relationship, which I don't want to skim over because they're just so important. At Kylie Jenner's 20th birthday party, Travis Scott had an ice sculpture made out of her butt. See, this is the kind of content we're going to miss now they're not together. Yeah, so true. Romance is dead. Travis's push present to her was a $1.4 million Ferrari La Ferrari. Will your boyfriend buy you a $1.4 million car? Uh, Look... Probably not. Probably not. a. Why is it called a Ferrari La Ferrari? That's what I want to know. What makes it a Ferrari La Ferrari? That was a skim. Mitch got away scot-free there. And I don't know. We know nothing about cars, though. As a little uh, segue here, my car at the moment is worse than ever. One of the doors doesn't open now, so it's a one-door car. So is it still making machine gun sounds? It's No, the machine gun sound stopped. I think that was because the battery connected to the car lock system was slowly dying over a year. I failed to correct it and now one of my doors doesn't open. I can only get through one door. You could, just an idea, take it to the mechanic? No, but I don't think the mechanic does. I think I've got to take it to like a spare parts person. I definitely need a Ferrari. If there's anyone in this world who deserves a Ferrari La Ferrari, (laughs) it's me right now. Ferrari La Ferrari. (laughs) So for those who also missed it, Travis had cheating rumours swirling around him for the first time in December last year. TMZ actually posted photos of who they claimed was Travis on a balcony kissing another woman's neck. Very soon after that, it was super bizarre, a YouTube vlogger revealed himself and said that he actually dressed up like Travis, set up the whole prank and teed up the photos with a paparazzo who thought he was the real deal. 
So that kind of went away for a few months. Everyone decided that they must be faithful to each other until in March, rumors swirled again that Travis was cheating, prompting him to shut down his Instagram profile. Do you remember that? He deleted the whole thing. We covered it in a quick and dirty story, I believe. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, he deleted it. And then ever since then, the couple has been dogged by cheating rumors until they're split now, which apparently happened in late September, mid-September and supposedly there are other girls on the scene. So a couple of weeks before they reportedly split, they did a joint feature interview with Playboy Pleasure magazine. And my favorite part about this is their quote about their own sex life, which is the most OTT comment about anyone's sex life ever. Yes. But this is what Kylie said. A lot of people claim that having a baby can hurt your sex life, but I feel like that's the opposite of our experience. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like we've definitely proven that rumor to be wrong. I feel like I never trust anyone who boasts this much either about their sex life or their relationship. Couples who are so overt about their sex life freak me out a little. But it's not I'm just, not a prude. It's not a prude Oh, thing. I'm a prude. It's a prude thing for me. It's not a prude thing. It's just like, why? Like, why do you want to be so open about how much you're having sex with each other? If you're stoked with your sex life, does it need to be this thing in Playboy magazine? Well, I think it's less about sex and more about the need to boast generally. Because it's mm. like, well, what's to say they can't boast about sex? Like, sex just might mean something different to them than it does to you. But I am very skeptical of people that need to boast in general. I just find that the line between boasting and insecurity is very, very blurred. Yeah, and they did a lot over the last few months post, like intentionally clickbaity things together. So they'd post selfies together in all white and then put engagement ring emojis over the top of it to try and stir these rumors that they were either engaged or were already married. Very unusual behavior for two people who were clearly fighting so much or had so many problems that they've now split entirely. Can you tell me what's going on with young sweet Rose? Okay. Did I pronounce that right? I don't think you did, but we'll go with it. <laughs> Her real name is Rojane Carr. So this is a 27-year-old model who has been linked to Travis Scott for almost a decade. She apparently has been dating the rapper on and off and they've been sleeping together for years. And lots of rumors are swirling around that Travis Scott was actually sleeping ro- with Rojane for the entire duration of his relationship with Kylie Jenner. I know that a lot of the listeners might raise their eyebrows at that, might roll their eyes at that. But if you go and look at the evidence on social media and in places, dare I say it, like the Daily Mail, this adds up. I reckon this story is legit because Rojean Carr and Travis Scott have been in the same city, in the same place, at the same events, here and there, ever since he's been dating Kylie Jenner. Her Instagram activity is very unusual. She's posted things in the past about Kylie Jenner blocking her and unblocking her all the time. So clearly there is a weird tension and a weird dynamic going on between these three. And I'm going to put my hand up and say, I fully believe it. I reckon despite her denial that nothing's going on from Rojane Carr and despite Kylie Jenner's denial, I think this was a bit of a love triangle. I think I almost agree with you and I can't believe how deep we're going on this. But I think I almost believe you because a couple of things happened. She kept taking photos when Kylie Jenner would block her. So there clearly is tension there and Kylie kept blocking and unblocking. I think the other thing that's interesting to me is that she uploaded a photo of herself with like a sneaker in the background saying, tell your baby daddy thanks. The shoes are reportedly the same shoes that Travis Scott owns as well I no, mean, they're not probably- reportably they are i, I zoomed no, no, no. in it's the same type of shoe but who's to say that not like a bunch of american men own the same shoe 
I would argue that Travis Scott is wearing custom design shoes. The thing that I find fishiest about this or funniest, I can't decide which, is the language that she uses in her Instagram story, which is tell your baby daddy thanks. And how many times a day do you block me and unblock me, girl? That in comparison to her statement, which is, hi, everybody, the narrative is not true. Please, everybody, give us some privacy. Like, it's just fucking ridiculous. The this the 180 just feels so concocted as well. Do you think Kylie is also with Tiger as the room? suggest because a paparazzo did take photos of Kylie Jenner walking into a studio where Tiger was recording at 2 a.m. in the morning. So for the uninitiated, Tiger is obviously Kylie's ex-boyfriend. They dated from 2014 to 2017. You are welcome, Michelle. She's shocked at my stats there. I think that was completely set up in the best way possible. Really? Because I think Kylie's tweet later makes it all seem a little more concocted than it needed to be because she tweeted and posted on Facebook, which she didn't need to acknowledge this. The internet makes everything a hundred times more dramatic than what it really is. There was no 2am date with Tiger. You see me drop off two of my friends at a studio that he happened to be at. She was drawing attention to the story again and she knows that the story is going to be bigger if she acknowledges it. Mm. Secondly, if you've just broken up with an ex and you're probably a little wronged or angry, as if the best thing you're not going to do is deliberately look like you are in the vicinity of your ex-ex. Like it's such a smart thing to do. Is it such a smart thing to do or is no, it such a... I'm giving too much credit to it. Yeah, and it's quite conniving and it's, it's conniving. just looking for attention, which is fine. That's up to her to do. But it's it's very, very 21-year-old Okay, I retract behavior. the word smart. I just think it's <laughs> I just think it's all contrived. It's the best way to get revenge. If this is true about Travis Scott cheating on her, best way to get revenge is to be seen with an ex or be linked to an ex. Well, an ex-ex. An, ex, an XX. Doesn't that make sense? Still an X. It's not like an X squared. No, no, but that's how it works. If you've got like an X before an X, it's an XX. And if there's an X before that, it's an XXX. That's the dumbest thing I think of. Yeah. And this is in a Kardashian <laughs> segment. That's the dumbest thing I've heard come out of your mouth today. <laughs> just today? Not to, just yeah, today. Not this week, not this year, just today. I tell you what, whenever we do segments like this, I always feel this like deep-seated need or insecurity to explain why we're doing it. Like this story matters because X or Y or this is what it says about us what do you think this story says apart from the fact it's just a funny story and we have nothing else i care about cheating rumors i don't care it doesn't need to be highbrow i, I just, care me, about cheating rumors and they are lowbrow as fuck and my justification is i've missed the kardashians <laughs> that's all i mean thank you next bitch and now it's time for the quick and dirty every week we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity news cycle Zara Alice McDonald. Good. You are taking it away. Prince Harry and Duchess Meghan are suing the Daily Mail's publisher that is from Harper's Bazaar. One of the biggest celebrity stories out this week, Michelle. I missed it. I well, I didn't miss it. I saw the statement that they released. I read it with you in the back of an Uber and I was very impressed, number one. I think it's great that they issued this statement. I'm not quite sure what the statement was in response to. I know there has been a barrage of really negative press around Meghan Markle, but that's been the case for a really long time now. Was there a story yes. or a headline that prompted this? So they are suing the Daily Mail's publisher for publishing a letter that Megan wrote her father. Oh. Yeah, and there's a little they're a little cagey on those details publicly. No one's leading that with that, which makes me think maybe people can't really talk about it anymore. I'm not really sure, but that's what it's in relation to. So it's a single story. It's not about prolonged negative publicity or coverage around Meghan Markle. It's one story in particular. The wording of the statement, I would encourage people to read if they are interested in this story. It is searing 
Um, it does not beat around the bush. It is incredibly cutting about the British tabloid media. And it's not the first time that Prince Harry has come out swinging in defense of his wife. He obviously did it the first time they started dating um, when he accused the media of being quite racially insensitive with Mm -hmm. regards to how they were reporting around their relationship. Mm -hmm. What I did find interesting too is it's by no means the first time that the royal family has pursued legal action against the British media. In 2012, Prince William and Kate Middleton sued a French magazine, so that's obviously not British but still, for publishing topless photos of Kate Middleton. The Queen's also sued the Sun, did you know that, for breach of copyright? And Princess Diana reached a settlement with the Daily Mirror years and years ago for publishing photos of her exercising in a gym. Wow. So although it's quite um, remarkable that they are suing, I think for me the most remarkable aspect of this is the statement and how no bullshit they are in their approach to trying to squash the British tabloid media, which they'll never be able to do. But I respect their efforts to respect themselves. Yeah, it's kind of worrying. I think the statement is so strongly worded that it does make you think about what's potentially been happening behind closed doors. And I think that's the saddest thing for me. Like, I know these people are very famous and very royal, but there was... (laughs) Very royal. (laughs) Well, they are more royal than I am, (laughs) by default of them being royal and me not. They're kind of the epitome of royal, you might say. (laughs) No, they just are royal. (laughs) Anyway, there was um, an inference, I think it was quite explicit, reference to Meghan's private suffering behind closed doors, which is pretty sad to hear. I wouldn't cope with it. I know that much. I think anyone with a history of mental illness or anxiety would struggle a lot. I'm surprised that anyone would be able to get through that level of scrutiny and attention. Truthfully, anyone without mental illness, Mm. I think, would crumble too. Mm. Story number two, it's a girl, Bachelor in Paradise's Simone Ormishart gives birth to her first child that is from now to love. Now, for those who are not bachelor aficionados or who happen to not live in Australia, Simone might have come fifth on The Bachelor maybe three years ago. Was it Maddie J's season? You what? don't even know. Nah. Why did you put this story in? I don't mean to be – I'm very happy for Simone that she's had this baby. I want you to justify to me and to all the listeners why that story belongs in the quick and dirty. We, just, t- we say the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the new cycle and you think okay. a Bachelor star from four <laughs> years ago who didn't even make the top three deserves a spot. In my defence, argument number one, she's not just a former Bachelor star, she's a former Bachelor in Paradise okay. star too. <laughs> my second argument here <laughs> is that I just think for someone like you and I, for two people like you and I who spend our entire weeks in the pop culture and celebrity news space – It's remarkable that someone relatively well-known, and I say relatively loosely, can go nine months pregnant without us realising. Okay, that's because she's not relatively well-known. I would love to put a poll in the group and ask people that if you saw the name... It's a baby! (laughs) How many babies were born this week? I did number three. Wow, that story. How dare you get this child off on the wrong foot? I don't care about... There's a baby at the centre of this. Would someone think of the children? How many babies are born? Every day. Look, and you decide. We say they're the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity news cycle. I would like to think the shameless listeners are, sn- are smart enough now to realize <laughs> we literally just pick and choose the ones we want to be talking about. Can you at least admit before we move on? That is perhaps your worst pick. I was going to remove it. Before we even sat down to record, I found a better story. I was going to remove yours. I can't even remember it now. If you can't name the story, it can't have been a better story. I can go looking for it. Well, I've still got to keep hosting the quick and dirty. And 
I just think you should have, you should admit that was a, I'll a, a low point. It was a low point. If you can admit, if you don't have a story to come back at me, you therefore if lose I look the up, argument. If I look up the Daily Mail sidebar of shame no, right now. you can't do it because you're just going to pick a random one. Number three, Big Brother applications are now open, so it's time to bum dance to casting. That is from Pedestrian. <laughs> How do you feel about Big Brother coming back? I hope Gretel Colleen is back to host. So do I. And I actually think I'll try to watch, though, television shows that air like every night of the week stress me out. Yeah, kind of. But the... But Big Brother is such a good show. Did you watch it? You did watch it, right, yeah. when you were a kid? I loved it. I wasn't allowed to, but I watched it. Sorry, I Mom. remember Tully's season of Big Brother was what basically kept my family intact that year. Not as if we were fighting, but it was just the main point of discussion. It was discussion. a bonding. It was a bonding experience. It was the main point of discussion around the dinner table, before school, everything. That season of Big Brother gave us a lot to talk about. I'm so happy for your family. I think this will go pretty well. So do I. I think it will go really well. I think people are tiring of the Bachelor franchise a little bit, definitely tiring of the block based on what I can see on ratings. And Big Brother is a blockbuster reality TV show format that got a little bit tired, but it's going to be revitalized now with this break that we've had. We would have had a break of what, five years, six years? Totally. And it's very hard for them to manufacture drama in the same way The Bachelor does when it's kind of being filmed at the same time we're watching it, which will be interesting to see for Love Island as well, which airs tonight how that's going to go because it's a similar thing. They can't manufacture drama in the same way because they're literally filming and cutting the next day. You need epic casting. You need the best casters on these shows ever because they need to be able to pick out people who aren't obviously villains and aren't obviously too big a personality at the beginning but then become that down the track. It's very tricky. Before we move on, I would like to start a formal petition, and I think you'll get behind this. If we are bringing back Big Brother, we need to bring back Thank God You're Here. Oh, my God, we absolutely do. Though I reckon, thank God you're here, half of the jokes that were cracked on thank God you're here years ago years ago would not fly on primetime television. Oh, now. no, totally politically incorrect and some of it a little bit racially insensitive. However, <laughs> oh thank God. God you're here, I would say, is one of the best Australian shows totally. we have ever had. I want to start a petition petition to bring back thank god you're here in 2020 because i would watch that my all my friends would watch that my family would watch that it's made by the same production house that makes have you been paying attention one of our other all-time favorite shows i think we need to start a petition where do i start one change.org i'm going to start a change.org <laughs> petition to bring back thank god you're here the shameless community can get behind it you can get behind I'm it i'm already behind well, it you're part of the community so you have to yeah, I am the community. <laughs> that was a joke. The queen of the shameless community. There you are. You, there you go. You are a little bit royal. Uh, I am very royal. Not completely royal, just a little royal. Queen of shameless. But thank God you're here and Hamish Blake has to be on every second episode, making and it a rule. It's actually amazing. So Ed Cavalier used to be on that all the time, same as Celia Piccola. Yes. I just don't think they could get the same people back. Anywho, I don't know how we got there, but story number four, Gigi Hadid saves the day on Chanel runway after woman crashes Paris Fashion Week show. That is from USA Today. I saw this headline floating around and I assumed it was a publicity stunt. It was a comedian. So it was one of those weird comedian things where a comedian somehow got herself into the show and ran onto the runway and walked on the runway. Do you mean comedian or do you mean like one of those daily vloggers on YouTube who pulls pranks well, for videos? Well, I, I guess a bit of both. What's the mm. difference between both? They call themselves well, like comedian. Dave Hughes and David Dobrik would be the difference. Yeah, but Who's I Who's David Dobrik? I have no idea. <laughs> so my eyes glaze over <laughs> and move you right along. Yeah, but a, a comedian is a comedian. You either stand up or you do pranks. Disag- disagree. But it's a still definition. Like just because you don't find it as funny doesn't mean they can't be defined as a comedian. I don't think you can compare someone who does pranks 
videos on YouTube to like a legitimate stand-up comic. But I still think they're allowed to use the title. I'm not saying I find pranks funny. I'm just saying I have no issue with the title. What did Gigi Hadid do to save the day? It's quite funny. I, I can't believe you haven't watched the footage. It's it's pretty interesting to watch. Gigi Hadid just kind of stands in front of her, blocks her on the runway and gets sort of... I can't work out from the angle that I watched the video from if she touches her or if she tries to guide her off stage and has the most stern um, facial expression. It's literally like, get the fuck off this stage. Amazing. And story number five, Miley Cyrus spotted kissing Cody Simpson two weeks (laughs) after (laughs) Caitlin Carter split. Fucking hell. That's from E! News. She is keeping us on our toes, this young Miley. So she's split from Caitlin Carter and she's been papped kissing ye old Cody Simpson who... (laughs) Is still a thing? Uh, yeah, Cody Simpson is definitely still a thing. He's still alive and kicking, for those who weren't aware. Well alive and kicking. For those who don't even know who Cody Simpson is, he was Australia's mediocre response to Justin Bieber, who never quite made it. He was the poor man's Justin Bieber. Still very good looking, though. Very. Nailing that Aussie surfer vibe. He's, he's very nice looking. He's only 22. So there is still time for Cody Simpson to make his meteoric rise to fame. It's too late. He needed to, he needed to do it when he was 14 or never. Miley Cyrus has been kissing him while eating acai bowls. Yes. So originally a story came out, I think it might have been in TMZ, which I really want to call TMZ given we're in Australia. It came out that they were shopping and a cash register assistant lady spotted them kissing in the aisle. But it was really murky because originally that came out and there were no photos, there was no real tangible proof until the next day. And then the next day, Photos and video footage of them making out over an acai bowl or two have been released. And she posted a bunch of Instagram stories about this. The most interesting one to me was this shirtless photo of Cody Simpson. Did you see this? Yes. This is the thing, right? Like the three things I like. Australian. Abs. 22. 22. As if 22 is the best age to be for someone (laughs) dating Miley Cyrus. It was so bizarre. The weird thing about this whole story to me is that it's one thing to be kissing in public around paparazzi. It's another thing entirely to then put that up on your own social media profiles. Like her putting this on her Instagram story was an odd move. But then again, Miley Cyrus might be a bit odd and she's just keeping us all on our toes all the time. There's extreme levels of transparency around this. Mm. She posted a few dot points on her Instagram story explaining why she was dating, finding why why she didn't want extreme amounts of privacy, but she wanted a respect because mm. I think there's been a lot of commentary around her divorce and then her dating Caitlin Carter and now her moving on to Cody Simpson. And she did say, I have never really dated in my entire adult life. I kind of just want to have fun. I'm not asking you to not take photos of me when I do it. I'm just asking you to not call me a, a slut. slut. Yeah. Yeah, which she's right. I mean, I totally understand that line of thought that she shouldn't be shamed for wanting to date and wanting to get out there. Does this make Liam Hemsworth her XX or her XXX? <laughs> X cubed. Yeah, it's her XXX, X cubed. Wow. Okay, great. Her X cubed. Do we like this uh, naming convention for Xs? I guarantee you we will be using it in the future. <laughs> I do think the the level of publicness about these relationships is really unusual for Mm. someone of her fame or her level of fame. So it's a little hard. It's a bit disorienting, to be totally honest, to have someone, A, being so public about it, B, jumping very, very quickly, which is totally fine, but also being public about how quickly she's jumping around. I tell you what, whoever does the casting for Australian Masked Singer must be so impressed with themselves because I'm pretty sure they casted, cast, casted. Ooh, hello. I don't know. Cast Cody Simpson 
all those months ago and now he's going to be at the pinnacle of his fame. I told you Cody Simpson wasn't a thing anymore if he's flying back to Sydney to perform in The Masked Singer. <laughs> like Lindsay Lohan. I rest my case. We're going to talk a lot about The Masked Singer to come, but is that all for today's Quick and Dirty? That is all for today's Quick and Dirty. Thank you so much. This week, NRL commentator and media personality Erin Mullen has been trolled mercilessly by fans of the very game she has dedicated her career to. Mullen's rumoured rift with the fellow commentator and former NRL star Andrew Johns is at the heart of the backlash. Reportedly, Zara, Johns refuses to work alongside Mullen, with sources telling newspapers that the 45-year-old finds her giggling irritating and believes Erin Mullen talks over him too much. Zara, things have escalated to such a point where we've actually seen Erin Aaron go on radio and cry over this backlash and over this controversy. What have you made of the story this week? It's been a little while since I've felt this disheartened by the extremity of a news story and the mainstream media and also the NRL's complete inability to call it what it is, which is just bullshit sexism. Mm. Like it's quite remarkable that in 2019 there can be gross, gross headlines, there can be gross undercurrents of a story, really sexist undercurrents of a story and no one or not many people willing to call it out. I mean the Daily Mail's headline was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I'll read it out. Rugby league immortal Andrew Joey Johns cannot stand Erin Mullen repeatedly interrupting her fellow Channel 9 commentators and giggling while on air. Their lead was John's told network sport bosses months ago he no longer wanted to share a studio with Mullen and he still felt the same way. He just doesn't like working with her. Isn't that so ridiculous? If you don't like working with someone and if there's a personality clash, as if that's enough for you to refuse to work together, that's just life. For that to be any kind of excuse wheeled out for Andrew Johns to not work with Erin Mullen is baffling to it's me. baffling that people are bothering to lead with it as well because it is so fucking sexist the thing that the line that actually did get me was the one he just doesn't like working with her and I think there it is for me I think that word just speaks volumes there's no rhyme or reason she's just annoying she just doesn't fit in it just doesn't work she's not one of us her that's giggling what, is grating that's what it says to me it's so bullshit the giggling thing really stood out to me because it says a lot about women's voices it's almost literally putting a woman's voice next to a man's and portraying it as if it doesn't belong there like a woman's giggle doesn't belong anywhere near this serious man sport. For those who do want a bit of extra context and are not across the NRL, we actually aren't really across the NRL either. So we've done a bunch of research to get across this story this week. Erin Mullen is 37 years old and she is probably the most prominent female voice in the NRL. Not just that, probably the first strong female commentator, female analyst who has been given a platform in the NRL in the 120 something years that it's been around. A few years ago, Erin Mullen was elevated to be host of the NRL footy show, which was a show that had been around for decades but was really struggling in the ratings, just like the AFL footy show. Her appointment was actually really upsetting to a number of NRL fans because she did take the place of a veteran in Paul Fatty Vorton, who had been host for 23 years at the point of his axing. So when Erin stepped into that role in late 2017, it was reported that Andrew Johns was pretty angry as a veteran of the show as well and that he expressed as such to network executives. It was also very, very clear on social media that a lot of footy show fans, in particular men, held Aaron to account 
for taking that role away, which of course anyone who works in the media or any kind of organisation knows that... Yeah, I was going to say any workplace. As if she would have any say in what the anchor of the show's future was. She was just appointed into his role. Well, like that they sought that outcome. Yeah, it's the, it's the whole uh, notion that a woman is a backstabbing, vindictive person, like a witch who can't be trusted, who wants blood. There was a piece in news.com this week, and I actually don't think it had a byline when I went to go check it out, but there was a really interesting line about that, how the seed was planted when Aaron Mullen was, you know, put at the forefront of the footy show and Paul Vorton was taken off. And the line was, but the dirty end to his glittering career had unfairly directed public anger at Mullen, the woman thought of as the person holding holding the murder weapon despite having nothing to do with the decision to axe him. Mm. And I think that is really, really true what we keep coming back to in that we cannot stand the idea that A, a woman could take the job of a man and B, take the job of a man in what we deem traditionally a man's world. Like we still have no space for women in these sporting codes. Yeah, and this was the issue, right, in that the – NRL footy show hosting gig was initially seen as Erin breaking through a glass ceiling. Very quickly turned out to be Erin sliding off a glass cliff in that the show had been struggling for so long. The format had not changed quickly enough. The show was tired and it was done and its ratings didn't recover despite putting Erin Mullen into that role, which she did really well in. And it was axed at the same time, basically, as the AFL footy show was. And so lots of people looked at Erin Mullen as destroying that show when that's not the case at all. The show had been struggling desperately for the last five or six years. And this is not an anomaly uh, just in the NRL in particular. Like we look at the AFL footy show, the same thing happened. For those who don't know what the glass cliff is, it's this idea that when something is struggling, be it an organisation, a football team, a television show – Often a woman is put in that role because there's a a vacancy, a desperate ditch, a last ditch effort to save the show in this case, and she's the one expected to revive it from the ground up. Obviously, it's like a lose-lose scenario. A huge task to put on someone's shoulders, right? Absolutely. And and Rebecca Madden was tasked essentially with the same thing over at Channel 9 with with the AFL footy show, and she was also blamed for the downfall of that. When you get rid of a lot of the archaic voices in the industry, that being uh, Fatty Vorton, that being Sam Newton, and you replace them with women, people aren't prepared for it and we're not ready for it. Absolutely. So that brings us to the beginning of this year when although the NRL footy show was axed, Channel 9 did announce that Erin Molan would be one of the key faces across the network's commentary panels for NRL games. She also shared those panels largely with Johns and yet halfway through the year, Johns disappeared from these panels and was replaced by Billy Slater. It wasn't until last Friday night when there was, I believe, a preliminary final, Zara, when whispers of Johns refusing to work with Mullen again or be on a commentary panel with her really broke through the mainstream. It was covered in the Daily Telegraph and ever since that first article that appeared in the Daily Telegraph last weekend, this has not stopped. Every passing day, this story of a rift between Johns and Mullen has gained traction and gained steam. And it's pretty hypocritical to me looking at a lot of these stories because I think one of the major undercurrents of this story is that Aaron Mullen is reportedly difficult to work with. And I find this astounding given what's happened since in the week since the story broke. She was asked for her comment on this story and she said, Joey, which is his nickname, is an immortal, a terrific broadcaster and someone whom I respect greatly. In fact, the Nine commentary team is the best in the business and I've never enjoyed working 
interacting with a group of people more. Her incredibly professional, incredibly glowing, glowing of him. He has not said anything of the sort. He hasn't even bothered to squash these rumours, despite the fact she has been trolled mercilessly from NRL fans to the point where she is likely getting death threats and things like that, is to the point where she's broken down in tears on radio. And Jackie O, the radio host, actually made a great point on a different station saying, has he come out and said this is not true? Why wouldn't you shut it down if it's causing her grief? Mm. The only thing he has said since this broke a week ago was he gave a statement to the Daily Telegraph where he said, where did you hear that from? Good old rugby league just thrives on rumours and innuendo. The problem here, though, is that Andrew Johns has then been silent while Erin Mullen has had rape threats, death threats, threats against her child, her husband, her family. And for him to just stand on the sidelines and watch it happen and not say a single word to the effect of there is nothing to see here, move on, she's great at her job, is pretty disgraceful. The fact that other men, and to their credit, a lot of men have actually come and stood up and said something and defended Erin Mullen is great. But in the absence of Andrew John's voice, is it worth that much? He's fueling this with his silence. He's allowing this narrative to continue. And the likes of Carl Stefanovic and Bo Ryan can say as much as they want on air and say that she's a great person to work with and super kind. But so long as Andrew Johns, who is I think he was voted the most talented rugby league player over the last 30 or 40 years. So long as he is silent, this will continue. His silence is horrendous to me, genuinely. To be able to watch this unfold and to still sit back and say, I am not going to do anything when I have complete power to stop the narrative is genuinely, I know I keep saying this, like I'm astounded by much of this story and how it's unfolded. I liked Carl Stefanovic's quotes during the week and I do think they matter. I would like to give voice to the positivity around Erin Mullen and her profession because I think she definitely deserves it. He said, I've spoken to multiple sources at 2GB today who regularly work with Erin Mullen, producers, presenters, you name it. They all say she's the most relaxed and the friendliest person you could ever work alongside. Second to that, I really loved Amanda Keller's comments on her own radio show. So when we've touched on earlier in this segment before Erin Mullen crying on on a radio segment, she is a guest on Amanda and Jonesy. And on Thursday when she was back in the chair with Amanda and Jonesy, Amanda Keller gave this quite searing, I don't even know if speech is the right word. She gave Erin Mullen this quite searing, I would say apology almost on behalf of It was like an, an apology crossed with a pep talk. And she said, they still don't like seeing you do well in a world. They still think is theirs. Um, she commended Erin Mullen on her like utmost professionalism always. And she did make an interesting point. She said, people will look back at this and say, what did we do to her? Why did we do that? It'll be like the Adam Goods thing. Well, that's thing. what she said. She compared it to the Adam Goods thing, like the horrendous nature of the trolling and the commentary where it feels like a tornado and everybody is just being lifted with it and not actually looking at what's in their wake is remnant of the Adam Goods saga. This is the thing, right? I am so glad that over the last few years, there has been more space for women in men's sport. I think it's really important. I think it really enriches the content, particularly opening up to women, considering the fact that 50% of AFL fans are women. And I think it's about 40% of NRL fans are women. And that's really important. What I have noticed, though, despite the fact that we have made that we have allocated seats for these people and these women to come onto commentary panels and to come on these football analysis shows, we are brutal when we think that they're taking a space away from a man. And I think that's the case with Erin Molland here. The tweets that I have read, aside from the ones that are blatantly violent and disgraceful, 
make the claim that fans simply don't want to see Erin Molin on a commentary panel because, and I quote, she's never played the game at the highest level. That was a tweet that I got that had about 100 likes on it. This is the most absurd argument in the world. This is actually blatantly untrue, right? It's completely false because Ray Warren, who is the most trusted voice in the NRL, has never played a professional rugby game. James Bracey has never played a game professionally. Matthew Thompson is the same. And I know that A lot of AFL fans think the same thing. They often say, oh, well, I'm happy for a woman to host a show, happy for a woman to interview the players, but I do not want a woman giving insight or analysis because that woman hasn't played AFL professionally. But then you look at the AFL, the code that I love, Jared Waitley and Mark Robinson are two of the most trusted voices in the sport and the commentary box, yet neither have ever played professionally. Think about who else there is. There's Anthony Hudson, Eddie Maguire, Hamish McLaughlin, Bruce McAvaney. Like these names are endless of men that nobody sits back and questions whether or not they've played the game or not. The thing that gets me the most is like if Aaron Molan, who is smart and clever and really fucking likable, and I know that that generally is not an important point to make, but I think in this context is important, can't do her job without being told she's awful and doesn't belong, what hope do the rest of us have? She's hardly even political. Mm. Like, she's hardly even political, and that makes me really sad. Not that she isn't political, but imagine if she was. Like, imagine how violent and brutal we would be if she was. I think I agree with you in that we're creating space for women in these commentary panels and in these... uh, places on panels but we're actually giving them the places without giving them the protection I don't think the codes are giving them the protection and the NRL also needs to do something there are two people in this story that need to do something Andrew Johns and the NRL and if they don't they're endorsing vile and vitriolic sexism yeah and it will continue and young girls will grow up and think I don't have a space here I mean I talk to you all the time about how much I love AFL right I am obsessed with sport I love sport and yet Growing up as a young child who was obsessed with sport and then a teenager who was obsessed with sport and an adult who was obsessed with sport and then an adult who works in the media, I have never once considered the fact that I would love to be a female commentator or a female football analyst, which is bizarre, right? Because of course I would love that, but I've never seen that in the AFL. Or when you are, you see them get trashed and it's too terrifying an area to think to go into. Exactly. And it was weird because last week I was asked to come on and do a pilot of something, which was football analysis with two other guys. And I was so nervous going into that. And I remember on the drive there, I was thinking to myself, I was like, what is it? Like, this is my job. I'm so used to sitting behind a microphone. I'm so used to sharing my opinions on things. Why is it this trial and this pilot that is making me so concerned? And I realized it's because I haven't seen any other woman do it. I don't see any other woman be given the platform like Mark Robinson, like Jared Waitley, like Ray Warren to do that. And when we don't give women the platform to do that, we are saying that women's opinions and women's insights on sport are automatically invalid or stupid or basic when that's ridiculous. Because I know for a fact that Jared Waitley has a great football brain. He has grown up having the same background that, as I have, where he's watched the game as, as a like fan, a lot of as a young spectator, women. as a lot of young women. And yet we don't tell women that their insights are valuable. No, we tell them they're actively not. We tell them they're second rate and that they don't matter, that they couldn't possibly understand. The thing is, Erin Mullen has been so influential in modernising the game and the commentary and in dismantling a really toxic sporting culture. It reminds me a lot, I said earlier in the show that I just finished reading She Said by Jodie Cantor and Megan Toohey, and they were talking a lot about the Me Too movement and how the women that come forward 
aren't actually rewarded in any way, shape or form for coming forward and they almost compared it to being at the front line of a war where you're the one that's expected to be taken out for the greater good much further down the line. And it feels a little like this. She's at the front line, but it means she gets taken out before any real change occurs. Mm. Like she doesn't get any benefits to breaking the glass ceiling. Yeah, and for those who are listening to this and coming up with names in their head like Narely Meadows or Sarah Jones who play great roles on Fox Footy and are thinking, well, you guys aren't talking about them. They don't get critiqued or they don't get criticised or trolled mercilessly like Erin Mullen has here. I would argue that those women play an amazing, great, awesome role in the sports that they're in. However, they serve a role as being a vehicle to allow the men to give the important insights. Those women are trusted with interviews and they're trusted with anchoring. They are not trusted with insight and analysis. And as soon as a woman tries to tell the world that she knows about football and she knows about the game, we tell her she can't possibly but And those women aren't actually the face of AFL in the same way that Erin Mullen is expected to be the face of NRL. Like, Erin Mullen is one of the most recognisable faces in NRL. And the other thing, too, that I don't know if you've listened to Willosophy with Narrowly Meadows, but she does talk about the fact that she gets a lot of commentary about her laugh, which is very remnant of us talking about Erin Mullen and giggling too much, in that she has gets a lot of trolling about the fact her laugh is annoying. And I can't imagine a male commentator or any man in the media copying the same level of vitriol about a laugh what i really fail to understand here is that someone like andrew johns who has a history of racial slurs against people of color is afforded this protection and this armor so many people hold this adoration for him while they hold this animosity and hatred for a woman who is just doing her job and doing it really bloody well well it's this idea that a man can have a a littered history of controversy and put her up next to a woman who has a completely clean slate and she is still the one that's thrown to the wolves and i think you're right it is incredibly sobering it's incredibly disheartening to see. And I think the only thing we can do in the wake of Andrew Johns not saying anything and the NRL doing very, very little is for the rest of us to rise up in their place. And the NRL needs Erin Mullen. They really need to protect her because they need her more than she needs them. Erin Mullen can have a glittering career in whatever way she sees fit. The media and so many people in this industry value her so highly. They need her. They have a huge sexism problem. This has shown it. So many different cases of sexual harassment and sexual assault in the game have shown it. And they better change their tune really quickly and figure out a way to protect her because she could walk away and have a career in whatever way she sees fit in the media. Look, we don't even know how to open this segment because Australia's most popular new show is a singing competition <laughs> where Z-grade Aussie celebrities dance around in bizarre costumes while Osha Gunsberg and Lindsay Lohan giggle about who they might be. Yes, friends, we want to talk about the glorious hit or shit show. I don't know if it is The Masked Singer Australia. Mish, have you been watching? This show showed me that it's Osher Ginsberg, not Osher Gunsberg. Oh, my apologies. I have been mispronouncing that, that since seems unlike the dawn us. of time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> to apologies to uh, Greta Thunberg, who oh. we pronounced last week as Greta Thunberg, by the way. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. It is Greta Thunberg. It's absolutely Greta Thunberg. <laughs> How have you found this show? I actually was quite late to the bandwagon, I must say. I posted in our Facebook group about a week after it aired, being like, why the fuck didn't anyone tell me how absurd this show is? It is hands down the most ridiculous thing I've ever watched ever. Absolutely. I'm the same. I think whoever came up with the concept for The Masked Singer must have dropped acid or something because it is 
beyond anything I have ever seen in my life. For those unfamiliar, The Masked Singer is a TV format out of South Korea. It's gone to the US and had huge, huge success and now come to Australia. The show sees 12 Australian celebrities wear over-the-top costumes that conceal their identities. So we have what, like an octopus? No, a monster, not an octopus. Yeah, there's monster. A spider, Uh, a, a prawn. Yeah, Rhino got revealed the other day. A unicorn is still in. There's a whole bunch of like weird, fantastical monsters. They compete against each other in a song contest and then the audience and the judging panel have to vote out one person every show to which that person kind of teases who they might be for a full minute by trying to take off their mask. It's like, oh, I can't take the mask off. And meanwhile, everyone in the audience is singing, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that I sung that. Don't (laughs) fucking dare. Oh my God, I wish I had that filmed put on social media. But they do dance and they kind of pretend to take off the mask and then they don't and then they act all coy and then they go again to take it off. And you have to watch the whole shit show unravel for a minute. (laughs) The thing that I think about the most when I watch this show is how much every single person involved must be getting paid to dance around with fucking little monsters and unicorns in costumes. Like, there must be the biggest budget in the world for a show like this. Apparently, it's millions and millions and millions of dollars. For Dave Hughes to front the Masked Singer and to clap along as Unicorn seems to, like, P. Diddy or something. Like, there (laughs) must be so much money in this for him. There must be. I mean, Lindsay Lohan isn't going to come to Australia for no cash. I mean, she's not exactly in high demand at the moment, but you would think they would have flung at least a few hundred K her way. You'd have to think it would be half a million and Channel 10 might be listening thinking yes or no, Yeah, which is usually them saying, no, it's not that much, but it usually is that much. It absolutely usually is that much. Just so people don't find out who the celebrities are before the show goes to air, contestants are made to disguise themselves before arriving at the studio. Then they wear T-shirts that demand nobody speaks to them and on stage have their non-singing voices electronically altered by the production crew. On top of that, within Channel 10, only four key executives knew who they were. Everyone else was in the dark as we were until the people were revealed on the show. So backstage, they're in kind of a mask or something too. Yes, only four. Four people in the network know who they are. This is wild. And I actually thought for a very long time, oh, I bet everybody knows who they are. But the leaks would be crazy and the the show would be worth nothing. Like they'd invest so much money getting the show off the ground. The show would be worth nothing if they were leaked. So I do believe this a lot. I wonder if they make every person in the audience sign an NDA. They probably do. Because imagine that television audience coming out and telling everyone. They probably want to be in on the joke and in on the secret, given that it's the biggest show in Australia right now. I could not believe this. The Masked Singer, since debuting, is pulling in more viewers than The Block. The Block is Nine's biggest reality show of the year and The Masked Singer is already beating it and The Block is halfway through the season. Well, I find it interesting that the US version is as big a smash hit there as it has been for us, where it holds the record for the highest rating non-scripted TV debut of all time. People are fucking desperate to watch the most ridiculous TV show of all time. What is it about it, do you think? Why? Why does everyone love it? Because I watched it 
I didn't love it. I enjoyed it, but I kind of spent the entire time thinking, what the hell is happening? It's a spectacle for sure. I think there is a spectacle element to it. I think it's that point that we often come to. It's pretty wholesome. It's not touched reality TV or overly touched or overly edited reality TV. It's kind of funny. Like the guessing game actually does keep you going because you actually don't know all through the series who the celebrities are until they reveal themselves. Do you care that much though? Because I think that we're all such D-grade celebrities probably anyway. But you don't know. But I don't really care. But I know that they're not going to have Kylie Minogue on. They might. Despite the fact that Danny Minogue is one of the judges. I know that there's not going to be an A-grade celeb up on stage. Speaking of that, I have to say one of my favorite parts about the show is Lindsay Lohan's guesses. And she was like, in the last episode that I watched, there was someone dancing and she was like, um, is it Stevie Nicks? <laughs> and it's like, as fucking if Stevie Nicks is in that little monster costume, Lindsay. Like, I'm not going to lie if. though. I, in a previous episode of Shameless, said that getting Lindsay Lohan on this show was the dumbest decision ever. Didn't make any sense. That's the beauty of it. It makes no sense, but it's so delightful <laughs> to watch her on it because... God knows what that woman has been doing the last 10 years, but her commentary on this show is a little bit out of left field. It's quite out of left field. And it makes it what it is. Doreen St. Felix wrote for The New Yorker about the American version. One of the best ways... What name, by the way? Doreen St. Felix. (laughs) I need to change my name. Wrote one of the best summations of the TV show. She wrote, The series sprouts from hallucinatory corners of the internet like YouTube's creepy mass-produced videos for children. In this sense, the show seems to me part of a post-Black Mirror generation of network TV. Mm. It's pretty interesting. The other thing that I loved reading about this was from Rob Sheffield of The Rolling Stone, who said, The Masked Singer is truly avant-garde TV, forcing you to ask yourself tough questions like, how is this happening? Are we really witnessing a televised sing-off starring Z-list celebrities described as the lion, the alien, the peacock and the bee? How did Robin Thicke reach the judging a fox singing contest with Jenny McCarthy, point of his fame arc so fast? Who the hell came up with this idea and why is it so ludicrously perfect? Aren't we all Masked Singers in our own way? Why is this America's new favourite show of 2019? Could this mean the end for TV as we know it? How much would I have to pay you to go on the Marcia and do that dumb who are you dance before? <laughs> Truthfully, not that much because most of the work you do is in disguise. Yeah, but you go wild. <laughs> And for the record, I'm dancing in my seat right now. You would go wild because nobody knows it's you. Only four people in the country know it's you. I've watched one episode. Will I watch another? Probably not. I just fucking love that the weird creatures are taken so seriously. Like, Osha's like, Rhino, would you give us a clue? And it's like, it's not Rhino. There's someone under there. Like, it's it's not like, it's not Unicorn. I don't like the canned audience laughter. I'm pretty sure they're putting, uh, not to be a wet blanket on the whole you thing. Because you're very excited. I love it. I love the I haven't weirdness. been this enthusiastic about something doing well in so long. And I think it's not because I love the show so much. I love that Australians are banding together around something very strange and watching it. And I love more than anything, Michelle, that it's Channel 10, the poor man's <laughs> the poor man's TV network who has a winner. Every time Channel 10 does something good, I feel like giving them a big pat on the back because what an underdog in the TV industry. I mean, the whole TV industry is now a bit of an underdog, but Channel 10, good on you. Like they found a little nest egg. They can kind of cocoon up into this masked singer <laughs> they success went, story. And they had to go so rogue to find it. They really did. Anything that Osher Ginsberg touches turns to gold. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a big silence then. I mean, The Bachelor is great. This is great. I don't you, know about ba- maybe Bachelor in Paradise could be done away with. But Osh has a lot. Osh. Osh. <laughs> My mate Osh. On nicknaming basis. <laughs> Osh has a lot of credibility. So I would imagine he would have done his research before jumping on a show like this. So too would Dave Hughes. Yes, fair enough. I do wonder what kind of longevity this kind of show can have though, given that you can only find so many D-grade celebrities who want to do this. And pretty quickly, I think the format would run dry. Yeah, I think I read an article this week. I think it was in the SMH that said they'd have to be very sparing with how often they released it because mm. you need good celebrities or else no one's going to bother continuing to guess because not everybody knows who Wendell Saylor is. Who would be your dream celebrity under the mask? Um, when they were guessing question. for the unicorn, they're like, someone from Destiny's Child. Oh, no, there was an amazing guess. Um, Chappelle Corby would be awesome. Chappelle Corby. I did. Yeah, I watched that. That was the episode that I watched and I would love for Chappelle Corby to be one of them. <laughs> Hey, I reckon that might be all we have time for tonight. Memo out to Channel 10, get Chappelle Corby for the next season. Another memo out to 10, get Thank God You're Here back on the screen. Oh, that too. We'll start that petition. Michelle, before we go, we have a very exciting announcement. We have a new podcast dropping. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are we telling them that already? I think so. We're not. Should we tell them what it is? Nah. No, we won't tell you what it is, but we do have a new podcast series dropping with a familiar voice on it that you guys all know and love. It will be coming on Friday morning. Morning. And a new voice too. Yes, absolutely. We are introducing you to another beloved shameless media friend and we think you will all love her and we cannot wait to share this and get it in your ears. And we're sorry for the clickbait, but we're actually not that sorry about it. You've got about four or five days. How does the maths work? Four days. You've cubed. got four days. We'll tell you on about Thursday, I reckon. Hooray. I'm so excited. In the meantime, we will be in the Facebook group, Shameless Podcast Community. We are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. Michelle, anything else you'd like to say today? Hopefully by next Monday, my voice is a 10 out of 10 again. Yes, that's such a wonder. Let's all hope. Hooray. <laughs> Someone said I sound like Phoebe from Friends and I just completely disagree with that. Could not disagree more. I sound so gross. That's such a sexy episode. That one, my best sexy voice. See you guys on Thursday. My best sexy voice in person. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.